Welcome to the Two Wealth Show, a show that shares how you can create real wealth for you and your family. I'm one of your hosts, Justin Bogard, and my co-host is Elizabeth Sickles, a.k.a. Super E. I am a real estate note investor specializing in performing residential real estate debt. I find the deals, acquire them for my own portfolio, as well as educate investors while walking them through the process of owning a real estate note. My co-host, Super E, a real estate investor, specializing in short-term rentals and the management of them. She connects investors with short-term tenants and manages everything in between. Our show is sponsored by Brightpath Notes and Elizabeth Mayora. You can find out more information by visiting our websites at brightpathnotes.com and elizabethmayora.com. Elizabeth, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Sorry, the technical difficulties there of, of recording. So I apologize for that. Uh, Elizabeth, go ahead. You were you started off the episode with with something and I, we, I couldn't hear you. Oh, no, just we're here with episode number 12, um, season three. So welcome, everybody. And my background looks virtual, but it is not. I am in <laughs> one of the properties that we host and manage. It is amazing. It does. Like if you're watching the video cast of this on the Bright Path Notes YouTube channel or Elizabeth Mayor's YouTube channel, it does look like a virtual background because I had to ask you when you went on camera before offline, is that a virtual background? Because <laughs> it looks pretty cool. And you're like, nope, this is one of my Airbnbs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Um, you know, it's getting a little warmer. Uh, the rain is subsiding a little bit, so I'm just getting excited. School's almost out for the kids, so I'm going to have a whole new venture this summer of you know what we did last year versus what we're doing this year, Elizabeth. It's going to be a little bit different, right, because we're going to be allowed to do certain things now that we couldn't do before, which will be fun. Excellent. And we have a, a very cool show for everybody today where we're talking about the current events um, and kind of the implications of everything going on with unemployment and with the um, the repo, not the repo market, excuse me, but the, um, the foreclosure market. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just wanted to give a really encompassing show for, especially if you're a business owner and really more, I guess it's especially for folks that aren't business owners, because we get to see a lot of things that are going on, um, and, you know, can kind of predict about what things we think are going to happen next because of current situations. Yeah. The situation, every time we do one of these episodes, it kind of changes, right? Uh, so as we like to say, when we talk about current events, we are recording this in the middle of May. And so by the time this airs, it may be in June. And so the events might have changed or something different may have happened. So we're just going to focus on what we know as of today. And Elizabeth, start us off. Sure. So and anybody out there that has employees or teammates knows that this is a, a very difficult time to try and find people. And I was just at a conference in Florida and it's resounding. So there are people from all over the U.S. And what's interesting is just the the extent that we're going to, um, as far as monetarily wise, to recruit new people and then keep new people. One company was actually doing and this is in the vacation rental space, they're giving away a free car. Oh, wow. 
Yes. Um, there are, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm an owner. I have two businesses. I'm actually, I'm in this house because I had to help clean it this morning. I've been looking for four more cleaners for about six weeks now. Um, it, it is, it's crazy. Um, I'm just about to implement. So we have other cleaning companies that are, um, you know, my colleagues in other markets that they're doing sign on bonuses. They're doing one month, two month, three month retention bonuses. And I'm not, I'm not talking $5,200, you know, and we're, at least for me, we're, we're already paying very well. And so, you know, one of the trickle downs of that is the consumer is always one that's going to pay. So what that means is the, everything's going to be costing more, right? It's part part of that inflation um, from everything going on with the economy. Right. It's interesting. So, the government obviously is trying to help uh, subsidize some lost income from those who obviously deserve it. And checks are being printed. And it, it appears that those checks being printed that people are able to get is a little bit more than what they make at whether, whether a traditional job is or was. And it does affect, like you said, Elizabeth prices at that point, because if a company is not able to find employees that are skilled to do specific tasks or labor, then they in turn have to raise their prices to accommodate for the fact that they have expenses that they have to shell out and, and so on and so forth. So it's kind of a domino effect, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, we've, we've been screaming for a while now about the increased prices in the real estate market from plywood to electrical outlets to, to every aspect. And what you're going to see now, especially with the gas prices that just went sky high, if, if they even had gas at the pumps, which was definitely more of an issue on the coast than it was um, here in right. Indiana. You know, but what that means is if it costs them more to deliver, you know, bottled water to CVS or wherever they're going, that bottled water price is going to go up. So, you know, we haven't seen it quite, we've seen a little bit. um, And I'm sorry, I can't quantify that more than saying a little bit, but, you know, we've seen some increased prices in some commodities, some consumables, but I I think that the inflation is going to hit that really, really quickly because it, it has to. Elizabeth, do you think this is a short-term uh, challenge or problem for for businesses and business owners? Meaning, you know, is when the checks are they stop coming in, the stimulus checks stop coming through, is it going to revert back to the way that it was? Or th- do you think things will change? Or do you think this is going to be an ongoing problem? Just from all all indications from the economy, I would say that we're just starting to see inflation. So. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be a continued issue for a while. Okay. I think prices are, are still going to, I think prices for everything is going to skyrocket. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Um, you know, yeah. I was, my conference was in Florida and there I was in, um, I was in Miramar beach. And what was interesting was normally their season doesn't start until the end of May. They have been in peak season since the beginning of May. And you might think, oh, well, you know, basically that's a month, but that's a huge deal as far as having all your employees ramped up. Even the transportation guy, um, I stayed at a resort and they take you to the beach and wherever you want to go. And he said, this is a huge problem because we need bigger buses, but we weren't budgeted for the bigger buses until the end of the month. 
Yeah, it makes total sense. It, it catches you off guard by surprise because you're not expecting it. If you ne- didn't have it last five years, a, an issue in, in May then or March or whatever, then you wouldn't staff for it, right? Because it doesn't make sense to overstaff for it because you can't afford that. The business can't bleed the money. So it is a fine balance and you, they, I'm sure they adjust the best that they can. Mm-hmm. You know, and it kind of, Justin, it's just a really good point that just to our last episode, episode 11, where we had Morgan from Cultivate Advisors and their yeah. focus, right? It's on the financials. So let's make sure we have that cash flow, you know, and especially since we're, you know, we're still in very unchartered waters, you know, with everything going on. So, um, you know, if, if I could have, Done. I mean, I've been hiring people all year, actually, but man, if I could have had even some extra people in January before I needed them, that would be a huge help for me right now. And, you know, we're at the end of May. Yeah, that's a great point, Elizabeth. And those that had businesses, I think, and survived and thrived through the financial crisis of 09, they probably understood, you know, they needed to get a good cash flow coming in monthly so they could sustain some of these hips and valleys that we go through as business owners uh, seasonally or if it's just in you know in the cycle of the industry that that they're in to where you you find those low points and so how to recover from that so a lot of lessons were learned then but a lot of us didn't go through that as business owners so we didn't experience this so now we're experiencing these same similar challenges. I wouldn't say same, but similar challenges to where you you have to understand your cash flow. You really have to focus on your numbers. We, Elizabeth, you and I both harp on numbers a whole lot, and you have to understand the numbers of your business. You can't just you know make invoices and figure out I have income, I have expenses. Okay, great, that that equals out to this. But you have to fine tune that, right? You have to figure out what it is that I could sustain some sort of two or three month. Uh, lost or some, or, you know, stagnant period to where I didn't have the correct income coming in, but I had reserves to handle, to keep my staff going, to move them to different projects and, and this, that, and the other. So it, it is a challenging time. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, part of that too, right. Which is what we deal a lot with also in the, in the actual investing in the real estate is, you know, am I going to take on debt? What type mm-hmm. of debt do I want to take on a partner with that instead? Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's so many things and we can be so creative in the real estate world, uh, which, you know, it's, it's such a great world to, to play in yeah. as long as we know our numbers. Yeah. I like how you, you use the word creative. You're exactly right. Being in the real estate world, being an investor and in, in what real estate pie that you're in you get to be creative and you have to be creative too in order to survive or to be a little bit better than your competition or give you an edge up or sustain long-term cash flow because there are no real rules, hard and fast rules to run a business in real estate. It's just, you have to figure out how to get, if you want to take on debt, like you mentioned, which was a great lead into that. And if you don't want to take on debt, if you just want to build up cash flow and reserves, uh, so it, there's no wrong answer. It's just your business and your situation and your town or city or the geographic area that you invest or build your business around are going to be specific to you. And unfortunately, there's no handbook for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So if you're an engineer and you need checklists, this isn't for you. Mm-mm. It's not going to happen that way. <clears throat> it's going to be a fail forward, as they say, right? That's right. A lot of adapting, a lot mm-hmm. of flexibility. 
And speaking of, of which, and just kind of, you know, on our talk on, okay, what's going on in, in the economy, Justin, can you talk to us about what's going on with the, um, here in Indiana specifically, um, what do you call that? Oh my gosh. You thinking of the F word? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That was your little hint for foreclosures, (laughs) Foreclosures. forbearances, foreclosures, references. Um, So the mortgage industry update, we talk about this when we do our monthly free broadcast that we do on the second Wednesday of the month on our YouTube channel. And it has been since July of last year is where we reached our worst uh, national mortgage delinquency rate, which is about 7.75% delinquency. And we had a lot of forbearances started in March of 2020 and April 2020 in May of 2020. And a lot of those have reached their 12 to 15 month marker as to which they've been in forbearance. Now, stepping back, talking about the mortgage delinquency, we noticed since July, you know, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, and then now May, we noticed the delinquency rate did start inching down quite a bit. And last month, interestingly enough, it made its largest jump down. It went from about a little bit over 6% to about 5.02% national delinquency rate. So it tells us that things are cooling down as far as the forbearance um, that's coming around and also the delinquency rate. So mortgages are being paid back. We've talked about this a few times in past episodes where all these refis and the real estate boom prices have really helped this delinquency problem to where it's not as much of a problem as what it appeared to be or appeared to be coming down back when we were doing episodes in March and and April of last year in 2020, excuse me. So these refis are allowing people to escape some of this debt because their, their equity has grown quite a bit in 2020 because of the appreciation of real estate has been so big. And the fact of housing has been so shorted. So when someone comes out and looks at their house, they realize, oh, you really have an extra $25,000 of appraised value on top of what it was last year. So when they get behind on their payments, they can escape out of it and they can refi into probably a lower payment. So a lot of these forbearances, Elizabeth, probably 55 to 60% of them, they're becoming re-performing. They're getting out of their forbearance. And they're becoming re-performing by either getting paid off because they got a new loan or a different loan, or they become re-performing because they can start repaying it again because maybe they restructure their debt, they restructure their mortgage. Um, and so let's let's be a little clear about who qualifies for the forbearance. So I'm not sure if we've talked about this in too much detail, but if there was a mortgage document that was written by, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. FHA, FHA, VA, those types of government loans and federal, um, you know, conventional type of loans, those loans are the ones that qualify for a forbearance if they meet the certain criteria uh, based on what the government guidelines were. The loans that we typically invest in are going to be more like the seller financing loans to where it wasn't a big institution or a, or written on government uh, paper like Fannie and Freddie, for example. Those loans don't fall into that category because they're not government-sponsored enterprise type of loans, GSEs. 
So those seller finance loans, like Elizabeth, if you seller financed your property to me and you carried back the note, that would be the seller financing. So you may have done an LLC. Maybe you've done a lot of them, but you wouldn't be considered a, a big uh, corporation that does that. So that's the type of loans that we're talking about that didn't uh, weren't uh, able to get this forbearance program. And they can go into forbearance if the lender allows it, but they weren't uh, they didn't get the 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 ability to go do it because the government said so. Right. Mm -hmm. So counties are not are are stuck in a moratorium, a moratorium where they're not allowed to foreclose, I believe, until now, till September Mm -hmm. for those mortgages. All right. We got a piece of the pie that's here and we got a piece of the pie that's here. So the seller finance mortgages, even before COVID or during COVID, they could go through foreclosure process. The stopgate to that was if the county would allow them to foreclose. So now you're seeing some of the counties opening up the doors a little bit and allowing those foreclosures to happen. So we're starting to see an uptick of foreclosures happening. So right now, Indiana, from the month of February to the month of March, it went up 26% in foreclosure starts, which is one of the states that is as higher up on the list of all the 50 some states. So that's telling us that we're starting to reach closer to the end of this, uh, of this COVID pandemic forbearance issue. And we're, and at some point the floodgates are going to be open. And right now it looks like in September now, it doesn't look like the the 9 million people that were in forbearance is going to be 9 million, you know, foreclosed loans on because like I said before, 55 to 60% of them are just becoming reperforming. And another chunk of them are probably going to go through loss mitigation and start to get reworked again, and there'll be a chunk left over, Elizabeth, that'll probably go through the foreclosure process, whether that's, you know, a million, 2 million, a 500,000. We don't know what that's going to look like yet, but when it does happen, we're going to see a different environment to go after and invest in. So I hope that explanation kind of cleared up kind of where we're at today and what's going on. So we know that the moratorium is kind of stretched all the way to September, I believe. And those forbearances that make it that far, uh, they have the option at the end, right? They either need to start paying again or they're probably going to start the foreclosure process. So forbearance, that's pre-foreclosure. And does that mean they still have the opportunity to pay back or to... Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the forbearance is just take saying, you know, I'm not able to make these payments today. Can I take those payments and maybe a stretch of them in the future, another six to eight of them and throw them on the back of the loan? They have to repay that debt, right? They can't give it away. They have to repay that debt, but they just move it from today to sometime in the future. So they don't, they don't get behind, right? They just call it a forbearance. So it's like they put a pause on uh, making their mortgage payment. So essentially they get to live in their house and not make a mortgage payment. And they're just penalized by just paying it on the back end. Now they are accruing interest in this process, but it does help the borrower in the short term uh, to get over some hips and valleys, as I said before. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you for the explanation. Yep. What's kind of, so you said we're at 26%. So yeah, the Indiana has gone up from month to month from uh, February to March, about 26% are, are 26% in foreclosure starts. I want to be specific about that stat. And when you say foreclosure starts, mm-hmm. what, what does that mean? It means starting the process of allowing the foreclosure to go through like a sheriff sale, like we have in Marion County, Indianapolis is Marion County, and they call it a sheriff sale. 
to where the bank has gone through the process of foreclosure. They've they've filed their judgment. They've gone through the legal process, and now they're ready to have a sale slated. Okay, so that they become an REO where someone can bid on it in the process. And what's so pre-COVID, right? So like just in vacation rentals, so we're measuring everything from 2019 to 2021. Um, what's what was the average um, for bear, excuse me, foreclosure starts per month? That's a great question. And I want to be specific about that stat again. It just meant whatever, if there was 2000, uh, if there was a hundred foreclosure starts in February, that means there's like, let's just use some easy math, like 126 foreclosure starts in March, right? It's just, the number is just specific saying we're starting to see more foreclosures happen. The actual finite number specific to Indiana or specific to the country is, you know, I think is a few thousand, let's just say over the cross of the country. So Indiana may, may be obviously a, a low number, 20, 30, 40, 50, you know, maybe starts have, have been have been happening. So I just want to be clear about that number and that stat. I don't want to confuse and say like 26% of things are going through foreclosure. No, it's just, it's an uptick, meaning we've allowed more foreclosures to happen because the counties are being a little bit, uh, they're, they're able to go through the process and not w- with the COVID restrictions being like uh, starting to lift. Okay, great. Thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. You know, and in, you know, talking about inflation and every, you know, just kind of everything that, that is going on with the economy, you know, there, there are a lot of experts obviously talking about, you know, inflation and, and things and, you know, and what they say is that cash, you know, actually having cash on hand, which again, we are not, um, we're not lawyers, we're not CPAs, you know, we're, we're just here to advance investing the right way, uh, running your numbers and, you know, um, but when, so they say, you know, cash is one of the worst things to have on hand because it's becoming devalued all the time. So what you can do is by appreciating assets, right? So you're looking at real estate, silver, gold, uh, you know, things like that. So just be thinking about that as, as you're watching, you know, everything that is going on and how are you going to position yourself, your family to make sure that you meet those goals that you have. That's a great point, Elizabeth. And you're right. If if you're holding a lump sum of money because you're you're on the sidelines waiting for something to happen so you can jump on a top opportunity, I totally get that and it logically makes sense. But the adverse effect to that is exactly what you said. It's it's inflation. It's like that money is going to be eating a hole in your pocket and it's going to be losing its value. So what you could have bought six months ago with it versus what you bought today with it is going to be a little bit um lower, lower valued, what's to say an asset. It's not going to, not going to be worth as much, but if you had bought an asset with it, like you talked about gold, silver, real estate, real property six months before, and it's obviously appreciated a lot more in value. It just, it, it increased your value, your wealth quite a bit and you didn't do anything. Mm. You let the economy or the appreciating asset do that for you. So you're exactly right, Elizabeth. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, you're welcome. One of the things that's really coming up as well and just different conversations I'm having and, you know, we've we've talked before that I became a prepper last year um, is just the fact of being self-sustainable. So, you know, what can you grow? What kind of vegetables, fruits can you grow? You know, anything that you can learn to do yourself is going to be really important moving forward, especially, um, you know, whether it's 
One thing, if you're into alternative health or health, excuse me, if you're into hunting, you know, just having a lot of skills, if you can can, if you know how to prepare food, those are all just really important. Those are assets, you know, that we don't really think about as, as assets, but they are. Um, so think about just the investing that you can do in yourself and then, you know, maybe in friends and family members, especially family members that have different interests in those areas. Absolutely. And those of you that are listening, don't forget that we're also streaming a video cast of this episode, episode number 12 of season three of the Two Well Show on the Bright Path Notes YouTube channel and Elizabeth Mayor's YouTube channel as well. And uh, Elizabeth, do you have any closing thoughts for today? I know we're getting short on time already. Seems, seems like it went by pretty quick. <laughs> it did. Uh, just keep your head above water. Make sure you know what's going on so that you can plan accordingly. Absolutely. Well said, my friend. All right. I'm Justin Bogart with Bright Path Notes. I'm Elizabeth with Elizabeth Mayora. All right. Thanks for watching episode 12, listening to episode 12. Until next time, guys. See ya. Thank you. The Two Wealth Show is produced by Justin Bogart and Super E, sponsored by Bright Path Notes and Elizabeth Mayora. Thanks for listening and watching for our show. 